This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. When Pastor asked me to speak, Most of you know I've not done any sort of, you know, testimonies outside of this church for many, for many years now. Um, I do teach, but I'm not a minister as such. But I thought I want to talk about uh, women. I'm thinking about Mother's Day, so I just thought we'd start to think about um, the contemporary sort of thoughts of women and some of our skills, some of the stranger things about women, and then look at women in the Bible. And what, you know, what the Lord says about women, really, okay? So, thinking about women when we think of a mother, you know, famous mother, probably Princess Di. Um, She was famous, wasn't she, for the way she brought a sort of normality in the family of the royals. Um, The children were very much removed from their parents, weren't they, in the old royals. But I think um, whether you're sort of with Di or against her, she had a mixed a mixed perception in, in, you know, in the, in the contemporary world about how she was. But um, she was a good example of, of a good mum, I think. So that's somebody that we can relate to as well. I don't know whether you can read this, but I had to put this in. Um, some of the older ladies, and myself included, my mum was a mum of the 50s. And this is actually an extract from a magazine about telling women how to be with their husbands. So it's a bit long, but I will read it because it's hilarious. Men, you, you will love it. You really will. So this is what all good wives should be doing for the husband back in 1955, according to the Good Wife's Guide. So have dinner ready, ladies. Plan ahead. Even the night before, to have a delicious meal ready on time for his return. It's a way of letting him know that you've been thinking about him, concerned about his needs. Most men are hungry when they come home. Prospect of a good meal, especially his favourite dish, is part of a warm welcome. I think we still do that, don't we? Um, But prepare yourself. Take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed when he arrives. Touch up your makeup, put the ribbon in your hair and be fresh looking. He's just been with a lot of work-weary people. Listen to him. I like this bit. You may have a dozen important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time. Let him talk first. Remember, his topics of conversation are more important than yours. Make the evening his. Never complain if he comes home late, um, goes out to dinner before he comes to you, uh, and so on and so on. Um, a good wife, I'll go down to the bottom. A good wife always knows their place. Okay. <laughs> and there was a little picture that went with it. Isn't that great? Um, Some things have changed, some things haven't, but you know, a lot of women now, if you come home late, you know, we get his dinner, but it'd be over his head, wouldn't it? You know, so, um, but that's, and my mum used to do that, I have to say. My dad worked permanent nights, and she was up at five o'clock in the morning making him um, a casserole for his tea, because when he came home at that time, that was his tea time. And we'd be upstairs, you know, heaving on the smell of liver and onions at five o'clock in the morning. But she did have a, she did have a meal for him, so my mum must have read this, so I can reckon. Okay, so we, we think of um, other sort of eminent females, you know, contemporary again or just before, but Florence Nightingale, what an amazing woman she was. You know, she set the, the precedent for all the nursing care 
and the caring sort of profile that women have. I mean, we've got male nurses now as well, but it's always been a forte of, of women. And she was just a, an amazing sort of character to deliver that. Anybody know who the other lady is? Yeah, Mother Teresa. So, um, again, you know, another amazing woman with her care, her work in the community and love for others, you know. Um, and as I'm, I'm warming up to sort of think of some of the matters spoken to in the Bible and some of the controversy that sometimes felt or, or believed to be the case, but um, I really want to put these women up there, you know, as eminent females, busy, diligent, hardworking women, um, you know, not, not sort of subordinate in the house, not doing anything, not supporting the community. These are really, you know, important women of our time, okay? Um, and we go to even greater figures, you know, the queen of today. I think once she does pass away, we've probably lost an era of a royal entity that will be no more, you know, whoever takes the throne after the queen, um, it'll never be the same, will it? And she's, you know, such a, such an icon for women and the community to, to you know, aspire to. <coughs> Um, and the good old Maggie Thatcher, regardless of your thoughts on her. Um, you know, and her, I don't know whether any of you watched the funeral, but she, she did quite a lot of good and changed a lot of things for the better, perhaps not all of them, but still did well for what she believed was the good of the country, you know, and wasn't frightened to be outspoken and say what she truly believed in. So another eminent female. And then perhaps a few, um, you know, memories there, the... the this is a word I've copied, I can't even say it. Munitionettes, is that right? Is that how it was pronounced of the Second World War? So again, you know, some people saying, oh, you know, women of the fairest sex, you know, should be kept at home behind the sink. Um, but there they were, needed, much needed in the Second World War, doing what, all, you know, any man could do. Um, and the war wouldn't have been won without the efforts of, of these ladies, you know, putting, putting together all the, uh, the ammunition that was needed to fight through the war. Um, again, really hard class of women. So not perhaps what was thought of in, in the fairer sex. I think this one might frighten you as well. <laughs> Strong and powerful. Um, wouldn't like to take her a short week home on a Friday night, would you? <laughs> but, you know, they're there. They're, they're bigger than most men in this room, I dare say. Probably make three of you, wouldn't she? But um, if you wanted to do it, girls, there's a way. She's proving it there, but... Um, Wow. <laughs> and then we've got the opposite, haven't we? So, um, not to forget, famous face there of Myra Hindley. Um, you know, monster, if ever there was one, and just just as capable of evil thoughts and evil deeds as any man, you know, in, in society. So we're not, um, we're not devoid of that entity either. You know, all sinners, all falling short of the, of the glory of God, and all capable of doing some horrendous things, yeah. Um, so a mixed bag of characters within the female, within the female sex there. Okay. I just want to look now at um, women in the Bible. And this, I've poured over this so many times and changed it numerous times. Um, and I've kind of shaped it to, to the women that have really made an impact on me as I've studied through the Bible. So if any of you have got the Bible, um, this this is Ruth. Um, and we will, I will, you know, talk about her famous saying. But um, for those of you that know Ruth, she was the, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, um, and she was so loyal, loved loved her mother-in-law diligently, and she decided that she would follow Naomi. Um, 
Naomi had two daughters-in-law and they both lost their husbands. So Naomi had lost her husband and her two sons and wanted, you know, the daughters-in-law to find new husbands, new life because they were young. But Ruth said, no, you know, I, I will follow you. I will go with you. And the love and the loyalty that, that was shared between those two women was just amazing. Um, and this is, you know, this is a woman of, with, with God's heart. And, and it's all about the, the pattern. It's all about how God rewards his godly women. Um, and, and what she's given to her mother-in-law, she reaped back, you know, in benefit. So if you remember the story, she um, gleans the fields um, in, a, in the new town where they go back to Naomi's hometown. And she meets Boaz um, and they get married. And I was fascinated as I'm reading through the stories that the genealogy is there, that they had a son called Obed. And he was actually the grandfather of King David, you know, so there's a link there. And that always amazes me when I go back through the story and see the tapestry of before and the preparation for the, the arrival of Jesus and how, you know, in the future, the prophets all told this and how that tapestry is weaved. And it's just such a privilege to read it and just become part of that. So if you've got your Bibles open, if you've got Ruth, um, and we've got that one verse there, which I just think is such a powerful verse. So she says to um, a mother-in-law when she says, you know, to go to go away and go and find your own place. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Um, and that's just the commitment and the loyalty that she's shown to, to, to her mother-in-law. And as I say, the rewards were there and we read about those rewards. So, you know, really godly lady okay lots of different people that God used in the Bible lots of different women um, and those you know those of us sometimes that just feel oh, we're not worthy you know what can I do to, to spread the gospel or how can I be used in, in God's glory um, God didn't choose the best people he didn't choose the, the successful ones the richest the most attractive um, he went to all corners of the earth to choose the people that he wanted to spread his message. And those of you that know the story of Rahab, it's in Joshua. She was the prostitute um, and God used used her in a mighty way. And God doesn't judge people in the way that we do, you know, sure people around were thinking, oh, tut, tut. Um, but she was chosen by God to secure the, the, the capture of Jericho. Um, she was risking her life. Do you remember the story where the spies were hid in her house? And she denied that they were there, hid them in the, in the rafters um, and sent, sent, sent the enemy away. Um, God rewarded her for her loyalty and her, her, her resourcefulness in an emergency and that she had this fear of the Lord and, and he rewarded her for that. Um, and we'll read that um, section in a minute. But again, fascinating to find that she was actually an ancestor of King David as well and Jesus Christ. So a prostitute is used in that line of genealogy. For Christ so you know what an amazing amazing find that was so there we are with Rahab so if we find Joshua chapter 2 and verse 11 just to show how she sort of revered um, the God of the Israelites okay when we heard of it this is um, this is Rahab talking about her people when we heard of it our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you for the Lord your God in, is God in heaven above. 
and on the earth below. So she knew that um, Joshua's God was a God to be feared and revered. And although perhaps not Christian at that time, but was willing to show her, her loyalty and faith and obviously conversion. And as a result of that, she and her family were saved from the destruction of, um, of Jericho. And that's, you know, that's the story of a prostitute. Amazing. Okay. I'm just thinking, tongue-in-cheek about thinking about the 1955 version of what um, women should be doing to their husbands, okay, and, and looking after them. Um, we've got sometimes a controversial piece of, 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 of the Bible here in Ephesians where um, I've heard this talked outside of church. You know, wherever I've been and heard it spoken about, it's always given in a very balanced way. But very often I think this this part of the Bible is taken out of context and it does a lot of damage for people's perspective of females, you know, in, um, in the Christian world. And I don't, I don't think that's the way it was meant at all. So if we get to Ephesians, um, okay. I can find mine. I do very well finding all my references here. Okay. So, I think it's important not to take it out of context. And when God is talking about um, relationships, he talks about wives and he talks about husbands. But if we go to chapter 5 and start at 21, the actual text there says, this is the Lord's instruction to us, um, for husbands and wives, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there's no instruction there for the woman to be insubordinate or beneath the husband in any way, Okay. And it goes on to discuss um, the relationship between a man and a wife. But it is different. Men are different to women. Women are different to men. And if any of you have read Men Are From Mars and Women From Venus, has anybody heard it or read about that book? No? It's worth getting. It's worth getting. Um, and there's a capture of that in here. Um, it talks about men going into their caves. And when women want to speak, they're never there. They can never share. Um, and women always want just to talk about their problems, don't you know? We don't necessarily need you men to fix it, but you men switch off if we tell you about it and you can't fix it because you feel you failed. You just don't get it, guys. All you've got to do is listen and go, ah, oh, do you want a hug? And it's fixed. That's all you have to do. And it's identified in the Bible, you know, that women and men have different strengths. That's not good, bad, or different. It's different. It just, it, you know, it just is. That's the way it is. And I think when men and women can acknowledge that and accept that and go with it, the world will be a much better place. So if we just read those few uh, verses there. So 5, 21 to 24. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives and husbands. Wives, wives submit to your husband as to the Lord. But again, he's given that instruction to men to do the same thing as well. For the husband is the head um, of the wife as Christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the saviour and there is a role in men it's been well recognized you know as leaders of the church and leaders of the family um and that's you know if it's in a christian if it's in a christian way that's exactly how god's instructed us to be and it's not again that men are dictating to women um they're they're the leaders and leading the way and if they've got that good wife behind them that's there as a sort of sounding board and advice giver it's a joint relationship, isn't it, in partnership? Okay. So now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to the husbands in everything. 
Okay. But there is that recognition there that men and women have got different roles in the relationship. It's not good. It's not bad. One's not worse than another or better. It's equal. And that's how God intended us to live in harmony um, and stop having the battle about it and just accept the roles that have been, you know, given to us. Okay. So I've put this up. Um, I really like this aspect uh, that we'll read, the wife of noble character. You read about um, or hear about the pressures of wives and mums today. You know, um, there's a lot of stories about young women being under so much pressure because they've got to be this super wife, this yummy mummy is the latest thing, isn't it? You know, where they're looking after kids and holding down um, a really high-powered job as well. And there's a lot of a lot of empathy and oh, we can't do it and things like that. And I think. I think from the perspective of the modern day female, and again, you can shoot me down in flames, but I feel it's because the woman has come out of the role that they're intended, that they try in competition with men at these roles to be, you know, everything. And I think men struggle today with the entity of a woman or what a woman's trying to be. They've stepped out of the role that was meant for them and it's created a lot of confusion in society. I truly believe that. Um, that doesn't mean that they're supposed to be at home behind the kitchen sink again. And if we read this, um, this Proverbs, the wife of noble character, I'll just take sections of that as we go through and just explain, you know, some bits of this I can relate to my mum because some of the things this, this marvellous woman is doing, um, you know, other people have done as well. So it's a fantastic, um, it's a fantastic section in the Bible. So Proverbs 31. And if we go from verse 10, so the wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. So that's not somebody that's not held in any great esteem, is she? You know, if she's worth more than rubies, um, this is an amazingly, um, you know, uh, what's the word, fabulous woman. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value, lacks nothing of value. Now, I think that message is telling us that if, if you've got um, a man, a Christian man as your husband who is the leader in the society of the church, if he's married to a Christian woman who is there at the back of him giving all the support that she needs to give him, he doesn't have to worry about her doing anything that's going to bring shame or distress to the family. He doesn't have to be monitoring it. They, he just knows she's there as that partner. Um, and the two of them can go forward without you know, any qualms in society. They're upright characters in the society and can be seen to be that and you know what a message that gives to the rest of the of the community she brings him good not harm all the days of her life she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands now, this is a woman that's not frightened of getting down on her knees and doing you know the um, the dirty work she's not there with the minions telling them what to do she's in there working hard just as the husband is um, she's like the merchant ships bringing food from afar and I thought, what does that mean? And I Googled that and I thought, I suppose it's a bit like us on a busy day going to Aldi. But you know really that your hubby likes the steak from Sainsbury's, you know, would you be bothered to go and get it? So so she's that caring, she'll go and go that extra mile, make sure she gets the food from the best places that they can afford, that really shows, you know, that's the caring side of the family. These women are all going to kill me at the end of this, aren't they? <laughs> she gets up while it's still dark and provides food for her family. That was my mum. You know, so she had to then go on and do a full day's work. But women have done this. My mum was a Christian. Um, 
And you know, and, it, and it's there, it's historical, it's in Proverbs from years ago, that this model of how to be is still there. She provides food for all her family and portions for the servants' girls, so she's not dictating to the rest of the household, she's inclusive of everybody. She considers a field and buys it. This woman's an entrepreneur, isn't she? She's a businesswoman, you know, um, really busy going out there, powerful. Um, you know, she buys it out of her earnings and plants a vineyard. I mean, this is Alan Sugar in the making, isn't it? She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. So if we go back to that woman who was the bodybuilder, you know, so maybe she looked a bit like her, I don't know. Not frightened of hard work, not frightened of, of getting out there and doing it. She sees that her trading is profitable. So she's an accountant as well. You know, she's actually looking after this business and adding up the pennies and making sure it's going somewhere. Um, amazing, you know. And then her lamp does not go out at night. So not only is she up early in the morning, she's also there at night, probably, you know, doing all the planting of the vineyards and overseeing the daytime business. And then in the evening, doing a sewing and preparing for the family later on at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. And I think that's telling us that from afar, she's sort of overseeing everything, but she's not just do as I say. She's, you know, practicing what she preaches, so she's down there with them as well, not frightened of, of getting, you know, involved. And what an amazing woman. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So it's not just for her own family, it's for the external family of Christ in the community as well. She doesn't forget those. She's obviously a very diligent woman, earning a lot of money, but she's not selfish with it. She's extending it, you know, she's very generous and sharing it with her community. When it snows, she has no fear for a household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. So scarlet, very sort of strong colour, powerful colour in, um, in the Bible, isn't it? We think of scarlet as blood, I think, you know, as um, part of the sacrificial um, entity of Christ, but also a colour of garments that were thought to be very expensive. So this is just showing us that this woman's being repaid for her hard work, that God is repaying her. And scarlet also has a meaning in the Bible, apparently, where it's a double cloth. So it's it's doubly insulated. So her family, if they're clothed in scarlet, are ready for the snow in the winter because they're, they're kept so warm. Okay, And she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Again, a woman of high esteem being rewarded, you know. Um, that's a sign that they're, they're, they're quite a, a wealthy family. She makes coverings for a bed, is clothed in fine linen and purple. And her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. So again, just reflecting what we were saying before, he knows his wife's worth and value and is confident in his belief of how, you know, how diligent she is. And he can go anywhere with his head held high, not be embarrassed and think, oh, she was out last night at the bingo or getting drunk or something like that. You know, this is a man who knows his wife's total value. Um, and because of that, he's revered and he's lifted because of that support of, you know, such a, a fabulous woman. Okay, she makes linen garments and sells them. She's still going. Supplies the merchants with sashes. So, you know, rewarding them for giving her good quality merchandise. So, you know, this generosity, it's like a circle never ending, isn't it? You know, she works hard, she produces wealth and shares it and that comes back in other ways. So that circle is complete. She also speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And I dare say that's to her husband as well as her family and the community around her. Um, he'd take um, counsel from a wife that was, you know, so diligent and wise and share his plans and make sure that they're, they're you know, they're working to, to God's will. 
She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So she's not standing outside, you know, on a street corner, leaning over the fence, gossiping with next door, you know, and, and just um, spreading Ill, Ill feeling about everybody. And quite timely for today, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. So again, you know, men are attracted to good-looking women or, you know, attractive women, but beauty is only skin deep and it's very transient and very temporary. It's what's beneath all that that God sees and that's how we're judged and that's the important character, you know, that God is, um, is interested in. And a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her, her works bring her praise at the city gate. So I, I just think that is just such a fabulous, um, you know, indictment to women that um, God doesn't think that we're, you know, little, little sort of women behind the kitchen sink. This is, this is such a powerful woman who's got a lot of responsibility to support, you know, a powerful and successful man in the community. Um, so I think that's great. And just a little mention there, ladies, we all know behind every good man is an excellent woman. Isn't that right? Okay, and just thinking of another lady in the Bible, um, thinking of Mary Magdalene, okay. Looked up a little bit about Mary Magdalene, and um, she's probably famous for the Lord um, exercising seven demons from her. Um, there are some, some thoughts in the Bible that she was also a prostitute. I don't think I read anywhere, I don't know, Pastor might be able to help me on that, but I couldn't find anything that actually stated she was. She comes from the city of... Um, Magdalene, yeah, where there were lots of brothels and prostitutes, so it might have been assumed that she was, but I couldn't find anything anywhere that actually said she was. But there is a, there is a thought that perhaps she was. Maybe she was. I mean, God used other prostitutes in the Bible, so he may well have used her just as well. But the thing that, um, that struck me on this one um, is the resurrection. So if we go to Mark, if you've got your Bible... Mark chapter 16, verse 9 to 11. And this just is amazing as well. Okay. Um, okay. So this is, this is the morning that um, Mary and Salome went with spices to where the, the body of Jesus supposedly lay and they were going to anoint him. And when they got there, that's when they found his body had gone. So if we start on verse 9, when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, and this is his resurrection, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Okay, so just let that sort of line sink in. God chose to appear first to a lady, to a woman, who, who may well have been a prostitute, we don't know. And this was the start of such a phenomenal journey in the Christian world and Christian belief. So if God didn't hold women in any great esteem, he certainly wouldn't have shown himself to a woman on the first day, would he? You know, so that is just amazing. So he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe him. They did not believe it at that time. But we know that, um, you know, he was seen further on from there by many. And that was the start 
well, the, the sort of end of the gospel, I suppose, was, was that complete period of Jesus's life, his birth, coming into the world, you know, with Mary, um, and then ending by being seen on the resurrection by Mary Magdalene. So there's no way that God doesn't hold us in great esteem. And I'm sure none of us truly believe that, but I was just kind of giving an argument there for some people who perhaps sometimes do put women in their place, okay. And just to sort of end it, I think I'm just on time, am I? Um, Christian women everywhere, you know, just remember whether we're mothers or daughters of mothers or, you know, wives or single, whatever, we are all daughters of the King of Kings. So happy Mother's Day, girls. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.